Coming up next, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness, it was the epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity, it was the season of light, it was the season of darkness, it was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair, we had everything before us, we had nothing before us, we were all going direct to heaven, we were all going direct the other way. It was the year of our Lord, 1,775. Welcome back to Booking It, everybody. My name is, of course, your humble and eloquent host, Mr. Cooper Cobbs. And yes, I had that memorized. No, I didn't. I read it. I thought you wrote it. I was going to say was... Say hold, though. No, no, no. I I read it for sure. It's the best of times because, hey, listen, we're on the podcast. It's a Booking It. Over there, that's Matthew. There's Isaiah. There's Tanner. We're all here. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy. On the podcast. The best of times. It's the worst of times because we had to read A Tale of Two Cities. No. Okay. I mean, I'm half kidding. I'm half kidding. Um, but here we are. How are you doing, friends? Fine. Not too shabby. I'm doing pretty good. No, not too shabby. Yeah. This is the first episode that we've recorded in 2022. We released our you know, your little uh, the world building thing two weeks ago, but this is the first real episode of Booking It in 2022. So go. I'm pumped True. to be back. I am pumped. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode, by the way, that me and Matthew did. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. recording that. <laughs> when did we do that? I think it was me and you sometime just were like, we have some time. I don't know why we didn't record. Maybe just people couldn't record or we'd already done a recording or something. And we're like, you know what? Let's just do something to have extra content for patron episode or for a bonus episode. And so we just, yeah, for emergencies, we just did it. And it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Now we, I think we've exhausted our supply of that, though. Yeah, I think we have like one other thing. Oh, we do. That it's like a patron episode. No, it's like a shorter isn't one. Isn't that one that like? It's like a collection of our work stories. Oh, well, we also have that one that we, we tried to record at your house. That what? Oh, I guess I do still have that, that one. Yeah. Like if you were able to spend <laughs> like not... eighteen hours editing, then it might be okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's on the old microphone too. Literally though. every five mm-hmm. seconds, Cooper would be like, "We'll just edit that out." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Isaiah, yeah, we wouldn't give it to you. Don't worry. Thank We're you. not that cruel. Yeah. But you know who is cruel? The overlords who made us read A Tale of Two Cities. No, I'm kidding. CC? How many jokes can we make about reading A Tale well, of Two Cities? I don't I know. I have this question anyway, for you. Do, do you. do you not like it or something? No, I I, 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 I kind of did like it, actually. Well, me too, but that, that makes me wonder why you keep complaining about it. I don't know. I just, I'm joking for some reason. I don't know. Um, Mainly because I needed something to play off the it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. I'm choosing not to comment at this time. Just letting you guys know. Okay. We're back on schedule. Let's talk about Tale of Two Cities. I want to hear each of y'all's baggage with Mr. Charles Dickens and A Tale of Two Cities. So, who wants to go first? Uh, My baggage with, uh, with Dickens is... I think Christmas Carol, all the different versions that I've always watched. You've got the Muppets Christmas Carol. You've got, you know, regular Christmas Carol. You've got Scrooge. And you've got the Mickey Christmas Carol, as Cooper mentioned in his Christmas episode. Yeah. And <laughs> so 
Um, I, I never really like, I don't know. I obviously didn't used to know or care that that was written by some guy named Charles Dickens. And so, yeah, that was him. And then this book, I've always heard like the best of times, worst of times thing. And mm-hmm. I knew it was from some book that I probably uh, hoped I would never read. And <laughs> now I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we'll go next. Um, I guess, I don't know, mine's also with the Christmas Carol, because the only two ones I've ever read from Dickens is Christmas Carol and now Tale of Two Cities. Yeah. You read- I guess for Christmas Carol, the first time I actually ever remember hearing about it, I mean, I probably watched a Mickey one and didn't realize what it was, but uh, yeah. first time I remember hearing about it is we were, I think at Silver Dollar City, somewhere in Missouri, I think. Yeah, Branson. It's like this park, yeah, Branson, Missouri. Um, and they had a play going on. I was like, this was around Christmas time, and they had that like play, so we went to mm-hmm. go watch it. It was a couple years ago, and that was the first time I remember actually watching it or knowing what it was. Has anyone yeah. read um, it? We, yes, I have. It's boring. Yeah, and hard. Uh, to I think my dad started reading out loud to my sisters, and they stopped and went on to Lord of the Rings. So that tells you something. Oh Ooh. wow! Yeah, it tells yeah, you something. I uh, read it. Last year it was kind of a big mistake. You can't really figure out what's happening, kind of like in a tale of two cities. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Nice, Tanner. My baggage with the uh, Charles Dickens is uh, not a lot. Um. Uh, obviously, a Christmas Carol. I tried reading it. I got seventy-five percent of the way through, oh and then Christmas time ended, and I said no. So. Was that this year? Um, that was last year, actually, I believe. And then, um, uh, my baggage with the Tale of Two Cities. This is my first time reading it all the way through. I tried reading it, I think it was, uh, a year ago when I was looking at, um, books that I would have to read in future challenges. I got halfway through and, uh, I didn't know what was happening. I got bored. I quit. And uh, I had to finish it now for school. And I actually enjoyed it slightly. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Slightly. Yep. All right. That leaves me. So, yeah, my baggage with Dickens, I mean, it's probably pretty much the same as anybody's baggage. You just kind of grow up and you're just familiar with Dickens. Just whether it's Oliver Twist, which it was for me, or Christmas Carol. You kind of hear, I mean, I'm using every, there's so many renditions, like the Christmas Mickey Mouse ones or the junior versions of things where you just kind of can't help getting immersed in Dickens, I suppose. So I've read several junior versions of Dickens. I've read the junior version of Oliver Twist and the junior version of A Christmas Carol. So that's kind of my introduction to Dickens. And then A Tale of Two Cities, I think it's just one of those books where it's just like, you know, Dickens. It's just a, a name that's always been thrown around with Dickens. And then, of course, you guys know me. I'm a nerd. And so I love stats. And so when I looked up the best-selling books of all time, there it is, A Tale of Two Cities, the second best-selling book of all time. So that's kind of how I knew it. And then obviously, like Matthew said, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times I'd heard before. Okay, so, here, and you say your baggage. baggage. I have to add one more thing to my baggage. I did read Oliver Twist three-ish years ago yeah so that's all i had to add yep mm-hmm. wow 
with everybody on the podcast, it takes this long to do baggage. All right, let's dive into book in 30 seconds. This is, of course, where we talk about what happened in the book in exactly 30 seconds. And guess who's on the clock today? It's none other than Isaiah. Isaiah, why don't you give us a summary okay, of the book crap. in 30 seconds? Um, Starting now. So basically, this book um, revolves around some characters that I currently cannot remember their names. It's like Lucy something, like Manette, I think. Charles like Darnay. That. Yeah, that guy Charles Darnay. And it's basically going through them throughout the French Revolution. It goes with like uh, the whole revolutionaries in the whatever secret organization. I don't actually know how to explain this. Your time is up. Dang it, dude! Why do you have to pick me for this? This is the one? this is the this is the fun part, though. Like people get to hear on the fly your summary. Okay. Well, yeah, my summary was great. Yeah, it was. We can leave. Swing it, it off to me. Nope. Swing it off to me. I think I can do it. Yeah, go ahead. I have the power of editing, so fair enough. Okay. All right, Tanner, go. So there is uh, this guy named uh, Charles uh, Evermond Marquis. And uh, he was a, uh, um, a, a French aristocrat who did not like his position and so denounced it and left. And then there is Lucy Minette and uh, her father was in the Bastille and she was recently um, uh, reunited with him after he was released. And then uh, Lucy and uh, Darnay meet, well, Charles Darnay also. Time oh my up. gosh, I thought I could do it. I know. You got, like, just through the characters. I know. Wow. Does yep. it to be high line. Look, here I can do it in 15 seconds. All right, go ahead. All right, this book basically deals with Charles Darnay and Lucy Manette. Charles Darnay is a former aristocrat from France, but he leaves and comes to England, but he goes back to France to try and rescue a servant, gets caught up in the French Revolution, is about to die, but somebody back from England who is an absolute nobody dies and sacrifices himself for Charles, and so he gets to go home and live with Lucy and everybody, and everybody's happy, yay. Very. 15 seconds, huh? Yeah. I feel cool. like that was like 30. Okay, it was a, a little bit more than 15. It was like 20, <laughs> 20 seconds. But, you know, that's it's A Tale of Two Cities, okay? Any other book I can do in 15. Let's talk about A Tale of Two Cities. So, pretty much for most people, this was maybe their first real finish of a Dickens book, besides Isaiah. What did you guys think about just reading Dickens for the first time with all you knew about him? Like, they didn't meet your expectations, or were you expecting that kind of thing? I was expecting to be able to figure out what's happening. Yeah. So. Anytime you read a novel, you hope you'd be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I'll say a um, Yeah, I still don't fully know what was going on throughout it. Yeah. So. Here's what I'll say about um, this book. I originally, I disliked it because uh, you couldn't figure out what was going on, and it felt like he was just throwing all of these, like, weird random stories at you, right? But then at the very mm, yeah. end, it feels like he's been weaving this very complex um, plot throughout the entire book. And all of those like weird, useless stories that were thrown in with like tons of words that shouldn't have been used. Um, uh, they finally made yeah. sense in the very end where like the plot had finally come up. The climax had been found. You understood what was happening to some extent. And... Uh, um, uh, so that's why I slightly enjoyed this book, um, only because it was worthwhile in the end. But towards the beginning, I was just bored. Mm -hmm. Matthew, what about you? Um, this actually, 
exceeded far exceeded my expectations because yeah. I think I just had low expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that generally happens. Yeah, I I didn't I like I mentioned I always thought this was just like some big older person book that I was never gonna have to read, and I didn't expect to understand it. But I mean, I actually didn't. I mean, obviously there was a lot of weird words that I didn't know what they meant and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I I generally I think I understand the plot and like what was happening. Yeah, I, I think get, what happens is you can get the major plot points, but everything else is kind of lost. Yeah, the hardest part for me was like de- like determining in my mind all the different characters, like remembering the characters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, adding on to that statement mm. is um, uh, basically what was confusing for me is he changed the names of people. Like he would... Uh, what? Um, uh, I don't have the book up here with me. That was a mistake. Um. Uh, Basically, he'll refer to someone as, uh, um, uh, he'll call them by their original name, and then he'll use a lot of descriptive words about them, and then he'll pick one of those descriptive words, and he'll call them that for, like, a paragraph and a half, and then they'll change back to using his regular name. Oh, yeah, that, that makes, yeah, that's another chapter mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Kind of for a stylistic effect, yeah. So that was the most confusing yeah. and annoying part to me was trying to go back and reread and figure out like who he was referring to at that certain point, which descriptive word mm-hmm. that was coming up. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a good idea, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't exactly translate very well. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I agree with Matthew it kind of exceeded my expectations. We'll talk about why in a minute, but I came in with just Dickens knowing he was this. He's supposed to be this master of English literature, and I knew his. I mean, I knew he was going to be really dense. I knew he was Victorian. And I knew that, you know, it was going to be mostly a slog, but I came out the other end, you know, a little bit better. I think this is something, honestly, that I had to read it over, you know, just what two weeks or something like that. This is a massive. Here, let me look up how many words this is. But it's a massive novel. Hey, that you I had think... an abridged version. Okay, I guess I should get this out of the way. For the first half, I read an abridged version that I did not know, and unlike Tanner, uh, it wasn't like obvious. It didn't say it anywhere. You had to go to like the copyright page to find out like what. Anyway, I did, but the first half, the second half, I did not read the abridged version. But anyway, it's one hundred thirty-five thousand words. That's a lot. So I think this is something that it's better read slowly at your own pace, because then you might have time to soak up more information understand what's going on rather than when you're trying to like speed read it for an assignment i guess but i don't know if I that think that's true for like every book we read for school though they yeah. don't give us enough time true. yeah uh yeah yep okay so what do you guys like about this book we're 15 minutes in i haven't asked that question we all kind of liked it so what do we kind of like about it matthew why don't you go start i mean yeah. it had a good plot yeah that's pretty much the big thing yeah. it was interesting and like the time period was good. It was like historical fiction, mm-hmm. obviously, because I mean, just the time period remained true, and it referenced certain mm-hmm. events. So I mean, I've always found that pretty interesting. Oh, I can't say it was my favorite book by any means, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It wasn't like super boring, like some of them have been. You know. Yeah. yeah I liked how while reading it, I could go back and like, like I'd remember certain events, like from DC or from other from school whatever other things that i've researched and be like oh yeah this happened then and then realize that it's actually very accurate how the book is like with the time period mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean he was writing this what was it i i wrote this in my paper like 60 years 
Yeah, it was 60 years after the French Revolution had ended. And so, obviously, yeah. this still feels... Like, it's like us writing about World War II, right? It would feel very... Well, not really, but like kind Nothing, of... Uh, not even, not even not that. Not even that. Like, it's even closer It's than like that. our grandparents writing about World War II. Like, just very accurate. And, uh, um, uh, like, he lived in the time frame where he could have asked his parents, like, what happened then and what it was like. Like, living in London. Pretty much. Almost. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, so that would, I think that would explain why it's so historically accurate. And second, um, uh, going on why I liked it so much, because that's not exactly my reason, even though I thought that was cool. Um, uh, my mm-hmm. reason for liking it so much, well, not so much, liking it slightly, is that, as I already said, like, I enjoyed the plot and I enjoyed how it, like, how everything felt um, uh, useless in the beginning. And then every useless story mm-hmm. suddenly became extremely relevant at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned earlier, my expectation was that Dickens was like a master of the English language. And when I read, really, until the last book, I was kind of like, he's he's a master of making me confused. He's a master of vague language. I don't know. Like, part of me kind of enjoyed the first two halves, or first two books, and the part of me didn't. But then the last book, it was like, okay, this guy is a master, and I still think it has, like, I should be able to know what's going on. It shouldn't be this dense and this Victorian and its descriptions and things like that. But at the very end, like Tanner said, when all the plot threads tie together, when we finally learn what's been happening to Dr. Manette, when Sidney makes his sacrifice, when all these things are coming to their conclusion, it's just like, yeah, this guy's he's a master at, at, at writing a novel. From the beginning, like like Matthew said, the French Revolution, or Tanner said French Revolution, Tanner said, and Matthew said it's like a great plot. The French Revolution is like an awesome setting for a novel. Just like all that's going on, the cultural upheaval, and it's, a, it's an awesome setting. But what I love is that he doesn't make it like the focal point. It's just kind of a thing that's going on to get his characters in a certain situations and things like that. But yeah, he's just a master of plot, of foreshadowing, of everything like that. And so... Like it, it seems it. It's kind of hidden behind the dense language. It's kind of hidden behind that, but it's there, and that's really what I enjoyed that much. I enjoyed a lot about this book. Dickens obviously loved his symbolism, his metaphors, and his themes. So, what were some of the themes that you guys could kind of pick out from the novel, and kind of how and how and when were these exemplified? I think one of his themes was like the um, uh, how'd you say this? Recalled to life. What? Well, recalled to life was like the main theme. It literally said yeah. that a couple times. Recalled <laughs> yeah, to life, yeah. obviously. But um, uh, basically, I'm writing my paper on um uh, whether uh, um uh, Charles Dickens sympathizes with um uh, the French revolutionaries. What's his attitude towards them, and uh, whether he um agrees with their methods of oh. It, overthrowing their government obviously i'm going to say no to almost every one of those except for sympathy and uh, i think that he has a little bit of sympathy for that i think he showed us like a little bit of sympathy for the french people but i think towards the end he kind of like changed it and showed us i don't agree with any of the things that they did obviously i mean it's not called the reign of terror for nothing yeah dickens i mean was very motivated by what he saw. Oliver Twist is just a testament to what's going on in England right now and what I, 
what he doesn't like about the current system and things like that. And so obviously, Healthy Cities is kind of a critique of the French Revolution because people in England saw, like, remember, the best of times is referring to London and the worst of times is referring to Paris, right? Like, he definitely was not favorable towards it. And that's definitely a main theme, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Matthew, Isaiah, you got anything? Main themes? I mean, besides, like, the whole recall to life, I mean, which is states in book and what you guys just talked about, not really. Well, there's, like, there's, there's like, the family, too, because, obviously, right at the beginning, and there, like, a whole kind of, like, side story, because, obviously, this thing is made up of a bunch of little side stories, kind of, but at least in, in, what's his, uh, what's his face, Dr. Minette, in his, like, personal life, he obviously had a very rocky life, and you get to see a good bit of it here, because there's that one part where he... Yeah like turns back to making the shoe things mm-hmm. or making shoes like the, yeah. the weird thing where <laughs> he made things. shoes not the shoe things but the relapse yeah that that whole weird i don't know yeah it was like it's his coping mechanism yeah the relapse but i, I don't know how to describe it it was like it was like he was making shoes but it was like he was addicted to it or something it was weird and <laughs> yeah i said his coping me- coping mechanism oh, yeah. yes. like that's how yes. he learns to that's, what it was. that's how he copes yeah, exactly, which is totally random. But, like, yeah, so he finally got over that because he got reunited with his daughter and kind of, like, had a family again. You know, they had family friends and everything. His daughter gets married, like, all great. But then he goes back to that, and then he comes back from it again. And uh, what's the dude's name? Mr. Laurie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mr. Laurie, yeah. like, keeps the secret for him. Honestly, I have to say and that was so, probably the first point I mean, in the book just that really his... started me like i started getting into the novel it was when he started you know making shoes again and i was like okay it's kind of yeah kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah i think that another kind of big theme i mean dickens really is really kind of heavy-handed honestly with these kind of things but it's like nothing is wrong no theme is wrong because it's all intentional and very metaphoric but another thing is obviously selflessness and sacrifice i mean obviously the whole point, the whole conclusion of the novel is a sacrifice. And the whole point is, I don't know, selflessness. So there's another one as well. All right, let's talk a little bit through the characters with our remaining time. So I don't know, you guys want to say about the characters. Did you did you like a particular character the most? Or would you like about them? Would you not like about them? Do you think the characters were well, well drawn? Mm-hmm. I think, well, I think definitely they were well drawn, and I th- I would say I probably liked most of them, even if they weren't necessarily like a good yeah, like if yeah, exactly. as a person they didn't have a good character, yeah. but as a character in a book, I think they were all like good characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just couldn't remember any of them, but well, I like, I could remember all the characters, I just couldn't, I just had trouble like matching the names with them while while I was yeah, reading yeah. it. That's, that's I feel what like I'm they out. dumped like a million characters on you all at once. Mm-hmm. you know that's what i meant by it like i just couldn't remember any of the names of the characters yeah. and as reading it i was like but eventually you get the main ones you know sydney carton yeah lucy darnay mm-hmm. lucy uh manette man so much of this yeah. stuff is just kind of sad though like because neither side was right so it didn't like because it's just i'm totally getting off topic now but it's just like it didn't solve any problems the whole thing because or it wasn't the right way to solve problems because there were problems, but then they just 
went the extreme opposite way and were violent against the problem makers and then everyone had problems <laughs> yeah we, there's a whole nother podcast yeah. to be had on the french revolution but suffice to say that it was definitely not the right way to go about it yeah oh totally yeah anyway character stuff tanner what do you think about the characters thoughts overall thoughts I think that they were very well-developed-ish. I mean, they were buried under so many words. I mean, I could probably go back through the book and I could find 18 words for every character that would be extremely good at describing them. Yeah, but that's but, not... Um, it, it's not. It's also just not the words themselves, because Pride and Prejudice is kind of comparable to Healthy Cities in terms of length. But it's just the denseness in which they're created. Like, Dickens just bogs you down with all these metaphors, with all these words... And you know, um, you know, uh, what's her name? Gosh, uh, Jane Austen is. It's not like that. She doesn't bog you down in words. It's kind of clear and simple, even though it was written a hundred years before. <laughs> yeah, I think that this was a time where like words were very, um, uh, like if you you would write words all the time. Like if you were to go back to the like. Pride yeah. and Prejudice, right? There's like words mm -hmm. after words after words after words. A little bit less, but not Charles Dickens. All right, I have one more question for you guys. I want to get. I want to talk about the sacrifice before we close up shop. So obviously, the big conclusion of the novel is Sidney Carton and Charles Darnay look so much alike. When Charles Darnay is about to be executed by the guillotine, uh, Sidney Carton is like, "Hey, yo, bro, let me take your spot," and he kind of tricks him and drugs him, and then he takes his spot and is killed. So why did Sidney Carton, like, what was the motivation behind his sacrifice? Like, did he consider his life to be worthless or something? Like, what, what, yeah, didn't what he caused say him? that? He said, I mean, I think that's sort of what I'm saying. Didn't he say, like, somewhere in the book that, like, no one loves him. He hasn't done anything in his life that is of worth or something like that. Yeah. Um, And that he's basically just useless and always drunk. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong. Which is why what he said is true. <laughs> useless and drunk his um uh, his sacrifice came down to his con his proposal with lucy his proposal to lucy in the house in the um uh, london house um uh, yeah. a while back in the book and book the second mm -hmm. like towards the middle in that like love section and uh, basically from what i remember this is obviously coming off the top of my head i don't have any book near me um, uh, she, uh, tells him, like, I, I, you're cool, mm. see, this is why I shouldn't do stuff like this, this is why I suck at books in the 30 seconds, but, um, uh, she, uh, tells him, uh, like, that it, he can, uh, she doesn't love him, right. like, a wife, or, like, a lover, but she, uh, she says, like, you can still change and you can still be a better person. I'm just not the person that's going to make you better is what she says. And so, yeah, that's basically what she says. And so, um, she like basically has this whole pep talk about like becoming more useful and like you can change and be better. And it, he kind of does. And, uh, except not really right. Like still drinks a lot all of that and then he gets to paris and uh um uh, everything's like he's changed when he learns that darnay's in the in prison and uh, um uh, 
he basically realizes that this is his chance to prove that he's not worthless, mm-hmm. that um, uh, yeah. he can be a good man, basically. So that was that's probably why I like the book the best. Like it's a yeah. very redeeming it like is. Jesus quality to it, and it's a it's a basically like Sidney Carton knew that um uh, he uh, couldn't be perfect, but he knew that he could uh, try and use his life in order to protect the lives of others, which is definitely not what the um uh, French yeah. Revolution. French revolutionaries were doing. And so um uh, I think that's why I like this book. I like this book because um uh, it it shows kind of that um uh, redeeming quality throughout the entire story yeah, I mean, that the whole book is really you didn't realize the until the very end. Yeah, I agree with you Tanner. I think that it's really a huge thing of this guy like I mean, he loved Lucy and then he kind of got rejected and then you know he, he, he the sacrifice is really due to wanting to keep her alive and her husband and her her daughter and i think that's it isn't didn't he say something like that at the end like uh he has a dream or something of everybody celebrating and what he did or something um but no it's no it was um a, it was a girl writing down all of the um uh, thoughts of the prisoners right before they died and uh uh-huh. like she just wanted to see what she saw in every face and uh, he and uh, basically it was if he could say something it would have been yeah. prophetic and been like this um at any rate what was i going to say, yeah. say, something. Mm. say sorry oh well, i was going to say it reminded me kind of of what snape does in harry potter and i won't get any more specific than that but that's kind of what it reminds me of so matthew and isaiah know <laughs> yeah also very different. Well, yeah, that's true. Different. It is kind of like that. Also very different. But I also have to agree. I think Sidney Carton, in his like, trying. I'm yeah, not trying well, to yeah. use this word, but it's being recalled to life. Thing, yeah. Like, he he really was, and that's what made like. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like the best part of the book, easily, and why it is a recalling to life book. You know, and that's why like that's the center of that part of the story, and. Uh, like he he easily could have done it as like well I'm gonna kill myself anyway because I didn't get this girl so I might as well and I'm a loser and I'm always drunk so I might as well just kill myself saving someone else, but he actually didn't. Yeah, it's, it's he didn't just do that. He actually like made a sacrifice because he was like no I actually am changed and even though I'm changed it's still worth doing this for the people that I love. It's not an act of atonement because I for the worth for the worthlessness that I have been. But it's a act of a better man, like he says. It's a it's a far better thing that I do now than I've ever done. Mm-hmm. You're right. He he has changed, and he's not worthless, and it's not an atoning mm-hmm. thing that he does. But it's a it's a sacrifice of a new man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it is funny that those are the same two guys that like. Yep. Famously looked alike I mean, Dickens in the trial. Master it. He's master at plot. That he's was master. the point. That's my big takeaway. This guy. It, mm-hmm. it's 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 almost worth slogging through his style just because of the plot the characters the leading up to this and i mean i would recommend this to people if you have several weeks to just read a little bit every now and then and listen to it i'd recommend the book i would yeah here's what i'm gonna say i obviously haven't read this two times yeah. i've read it like one and a half times but um uh, i've uh, I think that reading this the second time around would be like so much better because you're understanding what 
you're you're understanding what's happening and uh, you know what it's leading up to to some extent and then you can kind of focus on those smaller sections and like know where to breeze through like the density and uh yeah and but when to slow down and like absorb the meaning of what he's just said i think that i think that that would be very useful like Mm -hmm. a very good book to read because obviously listeners if you've listened to some of our earlier episodes a few months ago when i was back on the podcast um uh, i am a I'm a very big fan of the plot and I'm a very big fan of uh, um, uh, going back and rereading books in order to understand what the author's done in order to um, take uh, something that was mentioned in book one and then make it very important in book four. And uh, I really enjoy stuff like that. You will remember that from our Wingfeather Saga books. But um, uh, yeah. Man, I've never wished you yeah. could read Harry Potter more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. My mom know. basically gave me permission right. to, but she basically told me I really don't want you to as well, so don't. So she guilt tri- oh, she wow. guilt tripped me well, into not because she said you can, but I really don't want you to. You can if you want to, and then I'm like, oh come on. Well, this is a conversation to be had, but we just had our donors. If only for the plot, though, because you would love the plot. Yeah. She is, he's a master of plot, J.K. Rowling. Is. Anyways. Yep. Okay, donor shoutouts. I'm going to say the donor you guys are going to say is you think they would live in London or Paris, and it can be modern day. Oh, I thought so you were going to say, would they marry by. Sydney Carton or Darnay? No. God. <laughs> no. Okay. We don't have any girl options for the guys. Okay, wow. Um, okay, I'm going to say Sydney's Hannah. kind of a girl name. Okay, who's going first? Okay, Isaiah, go first. All right, Paris. Vampapian Wayla, Tanner. London. Mike and Sylvia, Matthew. Definitely Sydney Carton. What? <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah, you're your dad and your mom. Mr. Mike, um, Miss Laura. Let's go with Paris again. All right. Tanner, Uncle Sebi. Paris. And Jenny and Uncle Sam, Matthew. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah, Moses. Moses, let's go with London. All right, Tanner, Zara. Paris. Matthew, Anna. New York. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Isaiah, Emily. Emily, uh, let's go with Paris. Paris, all right. All right, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you want a donor shout-out, you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash booking it. Link is in the description. We love you guys so much. We'll be back in two weeks. And until next time, keep on booking it.